Thank you for joining us on Warrior Women Speak. I'm Judge Rosemary Aquilina, author of Just Watch Me, and I'm joined with my co-host, Sherry Botwin, LCSW, social worker and trauma specialist and author of Thriving After Trauma, Stories of Living and Healing. We have created this podcast for your enjoyment and so that we all can talk about our issues and learn together about how to deal with trauma and those things that spring up in our everyday life. Please join us for every episode and let us know what you want to talk about. Now for the show. Self-sabotaging. We all do it. Why do we do it? Essentially, self-sabotaging involves any attitude or behavior that doesn't match up with your values, and it interferes with your ability to achieve your life's goals, your dreams, and it's a pattern of actions, thoughts, behaviors that create ongoing problems. It interferes with your ability to move forward, and it's something that if it's bad enough, you need to recognize it or talk with a therapist and have them help you recognize it and the reasons for it. Sherry, how often do you see self-sabotage and is it related to trauma? I see it. Like you said, I see it every day. It's absolutely related to trauma, but I think it's also for many people related to core beliefs about oneself. So oftentimes Self-sabotage is a result of a lack of worthiness, uh, a lack of adequacy in oneself, and also for many people can be a lack of trust in themselves and others. Well, and it can be driven by fear as well, and that fear sometimes causes us to sabotage ourselves because, well, it's not perfect, so I'm going to rip this up and start again, and I'm going to try again, and then it's not perfect, and I'm going to rip it up again and again, and you end up in the cycle of not completing what you start or then turning it into procrastination. I can't make it perfect, so now I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do something else, and then you think about getting back to it but you are so fearful and it leads to anxiety and you just never get to it. So you constantly self-sabotage yourself. And I think from what I understand, and even from what I've seen sometimes with my own self, and I have to literally plunge myself into an area where I evaluate and step away from whatever it is and, and sort of reboot. And I'm fortunate I can do that, but certainly it causes me anxiety when I, when I even recognize that I'm doing that. How do you get out of that cycle? Well, do you think, so when you recognize that you're doing it, do you think some of it comes from that part of you that maybe is afraid of messing something up or afraid of failing on some level? Because I think what you're describing is you have this awareness. You sound like you have the ability to recognize, um, wait, ask the question. What was the question again? <laughs> How yeah, do you- well, you know, it, it was really that I recognize sometimes I sabotage. I think we all do it. And um, then I get anxious about it. It actually causes me anxiety. And I will realize I am procrastinating because, and I really have to do that self deep dive to figure out what's going on with me because I can recognize it. But I think for me, it's because I'm my own worst critic. And so it's really not about the fear of failure. It's about um, 
can I do this? Can how can I do this? What am I doing? I have so many questions and it's, am I doing it right? Yeah. Are people going to understand what I'm doing? And cause I'm constantly under scrutiny and a lot of people don't understand me because I think differently. Yeah. So I'm always sort of putting the shell around me saying, okay, um, what possible things am I going to get hit with? Yeah. And sometimes that actually freezes me. I'm in the deep freeze zone where I procrastinate because I don't know if I really want to feel that today, you yeah, know? It's, well, it's an awful feeling because it makes us feel disempowered and it doesn't allow us to tap into our strengths. So as you're describing your patterns, I'm thinking a lot of times I meet college students, young adults who talk about things like, you know, I know I do really good in school, but when I get assigned the paper, for some reason, I just can't sit down and write it. And we talk about how, if you're your own worst critic, if you're somebody that's quick to judge yourself, because you're not talking about fear of failure, but you are talking about not being good enough. You're not saying I'm afraid of failing, but you're sort of saying that because you're saying yeah. that, am I going to be able to produce a product that's worthy, adequate, and the big thing is, am I going to get the approval of whoever I'm, I'm doing the product for? So you come from a place, and I see this a lot with people that I work with, where there's a lot of judgment. And for you, you're saying it's self-imposed, but right. it usually comes from somewhere. So a lot of times when I talk with people, and a lot of times, again, I talk with younger people about this stuff because a lot of high school and college students, people in law programs, doctoral programs, they're under so much pressure and they worry so much about, I have to get like, you know, straight A's. I have to be perfect. There's this thing about being perfect, which obviously is unattainable for all of us. But what I often find out is that the core of these, of the inner critic is, is coming from a place from childhood. So that would be the thing that you have to go back and think about where, where does this come from? Is it that people told me through the years that I wasn't good enough? Did I grow up in a family where when I got an A minus, somebody told me, but you could have done better? Yeah. And you know, you're absolutely right. I would say I want to do something. And then people would look at me, my parents, siblings, friends, and say, why do you think you can do this? And ultimately, my whole thing was just watch me. And I ultimately did everything See? I ever said I would do. Mm -hmm. But it's a, a question of, for me, like, I have to do that reflection and the deep dive. And then ultimately my answer isn't just, just watch me. I have to say, and I don't care what you think. Yep. I have to get to that place where I'm saying, I'm going to be me. You don't have to like it. I just have to like it. And I think one of the things that helps me is being my own best friend. And I've talked about that. And so many people say, well, how can you be your own best friend? Well, if you can't support yourself, how can you expect others to? And I think the one benefit, we talk about this of being in your 50s, 40s, 50s, 60s is we've been with ourselves for so long now that we, right? It's almost like sometimes yeah. like I go, oh my God, how much more Sherry Botwin can I possibly take? but I do it in, in a playful way. It doesn't, I, it doesn't bother me. So I think it's really important to think about that the longer you're alive and the more years you have as an adult and the longer you have to separate from those messages that you got when people used to say, well, what, what makes you think you can do that? It's like, 
well, okay, I'm now 51 and people said that to me, but now I could be like, yeah, but they didn't know what they were talking about because look right. at what I'm doing. I, I was watching and I highly recommend this. If anybody out there is looking for something to watch, I love her. Jennifer Lopez has a documentary out right now. Um, I wish I could remember the name of it, but it's on Netflix. So the, her backstory is when she was young and she was trying to break into this crazy field of singing and performing, she was told, you're not thin enough. You're not tall enough. You're too ethnic. You're too this. And she was pissed as shit. And she talked about this on the documentary. And she, I mean, in a way she reminds me of you. She, what she did with that was she got so mad and she said, everybody's telling me I'm not going to be able to do it. And now at 51, she's, you know, basically done all of what she wants. And I'm sure there's more she will do, but I loved the, the show, not because of the performing piece, even though I think that girl can really dance. I mean, I'm not competing against her and I can dance, but <laughs> I loved the power behind her message because she was talking a lot to younger kids in the show too. And she was talking about how, if you're someone that self-sabotages or takes in negative messages, it's your duty as an adult to not allow the generations below you to have to struggle the way you did. So she does a lot of empowerment with her kid and with kids around her. And I think that that's something that, you know, we, we can talk about because if we are less critical of ourselves and we recognize our patterns of maybe self-sabotage, then we can help people around us not do the same thing and work on it for ourselves all at the same time. Yeah. When I do the deep dive and figure out, you know, what's going on with me, I'm really trying to overcome that self-sabotage, figure out the what's going on part and reclaim my life and transfer uh, whatever fear I have into power and transform any pain into power and really say, you know, I'm worth it. I'm going to go for it. I don't care what anybody else thinks. And it's really overcoming any fears and questions that I have about what am I doing? How am I going to do this? Uh, is it good enough? And getting rid of those toxic lines of thinking and the self-defeating behaviors like procrastination, uh, perfectionism, uh, negative self-talk. I'm all about positive self-talk, but I think there's times where we all say negative things about ourselves. I'm like, oh, geez, you know, you're so stupid. Well, I have to stop saying that to myself when I make a mistake, because as you said, we're all imperfect. We're perfectly imperfect. And it's those imperfections that help us learn about ourselves and do better. And so we shouldn't undermine our own progress and defeat ourselves. We should be saying, yes, you took a step. That's good enough. And then tomorrow you're going to take another step. And I think people, I know many people are so fearful of failure and have so much self-doubt. They literally freeze. Mm -hmm. And it's like this, some super evil superpower came and put the freeze gun on them and they will not move forward because they can't. Yeah. And for me, I push through that and say, I don't give a damn. I'm going to do what I want. And there is no uh, bad parts about failure. There's only a bad part about being frozen in time, procrastinating, because somehow I think I have to be perfect when I know I am not perfect. Nor should you ever have to be, because if we all walk around being perfect, life would be so flipping boring. Then what are we going to do? The yeah. other 
The other thing that we have to think about is when we make a mistake or when we feel like we didn't perform at our best. The thing that I see a lot, and I see this a lot with people who struggle with eating disorders and anxiety and OCD is a lot of times people take it to the next step. They don't just call themselves stupid. They then do things to punish themselves. This is a conversation that unfortunately I have had over and over in my work, in my recovery, and also in the in my work as a therapist. And I'm at the point now where it saddens me when I sit with somebody and I hear, okay, so you think you messed up. And because you think you messed up, you then wouldn't let yourself go to that party. You wouldn't buy that dress. You wouldn't eat dinner that night. You wouldn't connect with your husband. And I get like, I feel sad when I hear it because I understand what it feels like to feel like, well, I'm no good. And therefore I don't deserve to have, there were times early in my recovery when I felt, um, unworthy or I felt inadequate, I would feel like I didn't deserve to have a pet. It was the, when I think about it and I think that is the craziest thing ever. And I used to say to my therapist, I'm not, I'm no good. I don't need, I shouldn't even have my dog. I'm going to tell somebody to take her because I'm not even good for her. And I remember at the time saying it and thinking to myself, you're, you're trying to take away something that because that you get love from your dog, you now feel like you shouldn't have her. Meanwhile, then I think, but you love her too. It's not even just like she loves me. I love her too. So this is where it gets concerning when somebody goes from calling themselves names and feeling panicked to then self-sabotaging their health, their relationships. So before we got on today, I know I had said this to you. I was just talking to somebody about this who is in a relationship with a woman who clearly has trust issues. And when my friend tries to connect with this woman, instead of connecting, she, she pushes my friend away because she gets scared. She's so scared that there's somebody in this world that actually really loves her that she self-sabotages in the relationship. So we were talking before you and I came on today, she was, leave, she was leaving my friend like messages that were so hurtful. And then three hours later was calling and saying, but I didn't mean that, or I'm sorry I said that. And we talked about how in this particular relationship, this is a, a pattern. So I don't know if you have this in your life or you've seen this, but self-sabotage is, is a, a very general thing that can go very deep for people. Yeah, I, I I've seen that happen a lot, but I think we all need to, because as I said, I think we all have a bit of that. Uh, because we're human, because we're imperfect, because we have fear and, and all sorts of things just naturally built in. But I think we need to get rid of that harsh inner critic that causes uh, people to engage in unproductive actions and avoid even attaining positive actions because they say, well, no, you can't, I can't do that. No, I can't do that. No, no, no. And, and we need to really take those no's and change them into yes. And if you make a list of those negatives and you can't turn them into yes, I think at that point you need to see a trained therapist because your distorted beliefs about yourself and the others in the world around you really cause you to avoid life further and to be the most unproductive self you can be, which causes unhappiness, anxiety, it causes other people to not want to be around you and you're pushing them away. It's really 
very unhealthy, right? It's unhealthy. And you know what else I'm thinking as you're talking, there's another piece to this that we haven't said. There's a lot of people who, when their life is going well, they got their promotion. They fell in love with a great guy. They got pregnant. They do this thing where they feel guilty. They Mm -hmm. feel guilty because I just got pregnant and my best friend hasn't been able to get pregnant. Or I met this amazing guy, but all of my friends are dating a bunch of, you know, jerks. And I don't think I'm worthy of this. So this is another thing that we have to talk about because this is a little bit different. This is the part of people who feel like it's not okay to have things going well. It's especially, you know, we talk about, we've talked about this. We've talked about this in relationship when the war broke out, we talked about this. I'm trying to think when else, but I feel like we've said this before no matter what is going on in the world around us, whether we have people who are sick, we have people who are mentally unhealthy, we have people who are not successful in their work, to not feel like we have to ruin something in our own lives to connect with those people. Because that's another form of self-sabotage that isn't so much about the inner critic, but more about feeling like they're gonna somehow be slighting the next person if good comes their way. As you're saying that, I'm thinking about, I have family members, I have a lot of our family distant and um, not so distant who have lived through wars. And as they became successful in this country, uh, they felt very guilty. So they would have to send more money to other family members or when they visit, bring, you know, go overboard buying things saying, you know, I'm, I'm trying to make up for, you know, I've got it good now, but I know you haven't had it so easy kind of thing. And it's, comes out of love, but it also, because I've questioned it and I've said, wow, what, why are you doing so much? Well, they don't have anything. Well, you know, we, we have so much and it's, it's not, we earned so much and we are happy to share it. It comes because you can tell from this, the way it's phrased, it comes from that place of guilt that you're talking about. And that's not healthy either, because you should be proud of your achievements. It's always wonderful to help someone but you should understand what is driving you to do your actions because you don't have anything to feel badly about when you have achieved something that's self-sabotage too. Right. And when, when you say that, I think about conversations that I have in my, in the office with clients. And when I say things like that, they say easier said than done Sherry, which I totally understand because there are people who really for years have been living a life about undoing the good that has come their way, because that's the only way they know. They don't realize that these are messages that you received, or these are things that you've made yourself believe based on your experiences. I want to make sure I say to people, it is possible to learn how to stop doing that. And it's like, again, you, you know, you'll say a lot, if this is something you struggle with, you should talk to a therapist. Therapy is definitely a place where you can work on this because it's not a conscious thing. I don't think people go to bed and wake up in the morning and go, well, I'm going to mess up that interview today because I feel guilty that I may make more money. I don't think there's an awareness about it. I think, and that's where it gets messy sometimes because sometimes like with my friend, when she's talking about this woman and how she keeps sort of doing this push pull thing, if her friend realized what she was actually saying, she wouldn't pick up the phone and say it. She would maybe think it and talk to somebody else, but to say to herself, but if I actually say those things, I could put the, I could make myself feel even more isolated. So that is tricky to figure out how to 
become aware of all that? So I think that if you're really struggling, because you and I talked about doing this topic and we had a number of people reaching out saying I sabotage and it stemmed out of other conversations we have, you know, what can I do about it? And I think first thing you have to do is to recognize the signs. And I also want to put out there that there's a lot of um, articles on the internet. Some are better than others. There's also courses you can take about how to stop sabotaging, especially if you can't afford a therapist right now, there's so much online. But I think if you're really struggling, you need that one-on-one conversation with a trained therapist like you, Sherry. But I have a list. I'm going to um, just briefly go over it. And you tell me, did we miss anything here? Or are these good things? Are these signs that are realistic or not, or maybe they're signs that are too hard for people to recognize in themselves. They might need, you know, a few months or years of therapy. Um, but one is to avoid, if you're avoiding people in situations that make you uncomfortable. Another is staying within your comfort zone and avoiding change. Because if obviously, if you're within your comfort zone, you know, you're in status quo and nothing else can happen, but you're also not self-propelling yourself either setting goals that are too low to ensure success. And that's, you can say, well, I'm just not a confident person, but I think that that's self-sabotage. Creating conflict with romantic partners, children, loved ones, parents, friends, coworkers, all those people around you, even somebody in the grocery store, if you're in line, you just create conflict. And that's, I think, a form of sabotage, self-sabotage, trying to control others. Um, I think that's a big one. I think that's really interesting. I want you to weigh in on that. So write it down. Wait, say I think it again. Something, say um, it. My brain trying to control others. Okay. I got it. I think that when you control others, we, we think of, and we've talked about this narcissists, yeah. right. And, um, those people who are violent and who want to control others. But I think that if you try to control others, it's also a form of Mm -hmm. self-sabotage because no one's growing around you and you always remain in control of your universe. Um, But I think that's a terribly interesting one that might be confused with other things as well. Um, Attempting to gain others' approval. You know, you sabotage yourself and you're you're not good enough until you get somebody's approval, your parents, your husbands, your wife, whatever. I think that's also a form of sabotage when you're living up to someone else's expectations and not developing your own expectations about yourself. Um, Taking actions that don't match your values and goals. So if you're doing something that is really less than and it's not up to your standards or it's not something you want to do, that's, I think, a form of self-sabotage comparing yourself to others. I mean, Sherry, I could compare myself to you all day long and I'd be disappointed because I might not reach the level of where you are. Right. And I shouldn't have to want to be Sherry. I should want to be Rose Aquilina. Right. And, and whatever I want to achieve in my brain and in my goals and my expectations of myself, not what your expectations of yourself are. And so I think, and I know that I have teenage kids, almost teenage kids right now, and I've had teenagers, but my last two are nearing that. And I think they self-sabotage comparing themselves with other kids and other uh, things that those kids have, whether it's clothes or making a goal or whatever, or the color of their hair, it it just doesn't matter. But those comparisons not only make but they're self-sabotaging themselves and not looking at how wonderful they are as individuals. And then risky behaviors like substance abuse, gambling, um, too much sex, too much smoking, too much vaping, uh, the self-sabotaging things that you do so that you can never take a step outside of this arena of um, not being 100% yourself and you can't then gain positivity 
So there's a list for you. I know I it's a love lot. it. And you know what? You always come so prepared. I know we're talking about don't be perfect, but you're like the ideal client because you always come to having <laughs> done your homework. <laughs> yes, but but now I see I'm not the trained therapist. So I need you to, that's why we're a good match. I need you to explain because that's, you know, the people who are in front of me on the bench, I'm, I'm always, I'm interested always in the backstory. You know, you don't look like you should be here in front of a judge, what happened. And I think that backstory is so damned interesting, but I also want the backstory from you on why are these things um, sabotaging and how can we confront them, overcome them and live a productive life? Um, do you have another 50 hours? Cause I can't well, answer. We could do a couple other episodes on this. <laughs> I think like, it's a great a topic. Because yeah. when you started reading through that list, I'm like, thinking of this person that I talked to today that I'm yeah. like, wait, I'm going to talk about that person that I talked to. There were two people I talked to today. I yeah. love them both. They're amazing young women. And they both right now are in relationships where they are doing very well themselves. They have friends, they're successful, they're beautiful. They're, you know, in my eyes, they're perfect, right? But they're with, and they're not married, but they are with partners, both of them who are being basically squashed for having good things coming their way. So in both of my sessions, and these are two totally separate people, they, they, they don't know each other, but the whole session was about how do I recognize that what's happening is my partner is controlling me. Like both of them asked me, is this like controlling what I'm describing for you? Like they're asking me. And again, sometimes I answer and sometimes I don't, I really try to help people see it for themselves. So um, when I was talking to this one woman at the end of the day, I mean, she's one of those people, she could have anything she wanted. She's such a fight. She's like a young you. She's a feisty, gorgeous. She's so flipping smart. And she's got this woman that she's dating that is make, I call it guilt inducing, but making her like question everything about herself. Why would you want to do that? What makes you think you're going to be able to do that? making her, trying to make her feel bad because she's not always home with her partner, loving her partner. Sometimes she's out trying to kill it in the world. Then I was talking to this other woman in the early part of the day who is uh, feisty, who she loves relationships. So she's on a vacation right now, visiting her friends. And she says to me, he's, my boyfriend is not talking to me. He's basically like, mad, I think, because I'm on vacation having fun with my friends. What is that, Sherry? Is that controlling? Like, is it my fault? Is it me? Did I do something wrong? So it's like one of those things where, okay, so they're not self-sabotaging, but they're in relationships with people who are basically making them feel bad for not, for doing things that make them happy, for being accomplished, for being successful. So this what I think for these, both of these clients is I say, you're dating people, your partners to me sound like people who are lacking worth, who are lacking self-esteem. And the only way for them to make themselves feel good enough about themselves is to put you down and bring you down to them. That's a form of self-sabotage. And if we were to call their partners and say, do you realize that what you're doing right now is it's not really good for the relationship do you know that you're hurting my client X, Y, and Z? Most likely from what I'm hearing about both of these partners is they would get defensive and mad and they would probably say, your therapist doesn't know what she's talking about. Why is she saying so, this? 
is your client, can, can you, with the sabotage, would you say that your clients are attracted to those people who don't expect much of them? So I'll, yep. I'll, if the one was listening right now, she would be probably laughing because we laugh a lot, but she'd be like, how the heck? She would say, where'd she get that from? Does she know me? Um, the answer is yes. And okay. So when Em and I are talking about this, what we're talking about is what do you think it is that a lot, what is it about you? I'm trying to think of how I say it. Why do you think you allow that kind of treatment? What, what's going on with you that keeps you there? Because this is not somebody that she's dated for a month. She's been with this woman for a couple of years and she, I think, because she's done some work now would be able to say, she'll say, I know Sherry, I know there's, I attract people who, for some reason, they don't treat me the way I deserve to be treated. I put up with things that I shouldn't put up with. I, I, and she was saying today how she's stuck professionally because she feels guilty for wanting to do the next thing that she wants to do because she feels like then she'll be making more money than her partner. Her partner's going to get jealous. Her partner's not going to talk to her. So it's good that you bring that up because she, she doesn't see it as self-sabotage, but she understands on some level that a lot of people wouldn't put up with that. They would say, if you can't tolerate me living the life that I want to live, which is about happiness and success, we're not a good match. A lot of people would have already been, you know, say la vie to that girl. See you later. Peace well, out. And it's interesting because we've all said to, about our friends or neighbors or relatives, why is that person with that other person? They, why are they picking someone who is less than them? And it's not that we should put people on scales and one's more than and one's less than, but you can see that a person with goals who holds back because of the person they're with, they're self-sabotaging. And it's not necessarily the fault of the other person. Um, you have to be able to be you. And so you need to, I think in all of these situations is do the deep dive like I do. If you can't do it on your own, do it with someone and boost your self-awareness about who you are, what you want, what your goals are, and then see what's, what are the roadblocks? Who are the roadblocks, yeah. right? Yeah. That was one of the questions that actually I asked. And when we were talking, what do you think's getting in your way of moving beyond this? What, what's like, what's keeping you stuck in this pattern? Because it's not the first time, this is not the first time that she's been in this situation. It's a pattern. So I think it's a very important what you're saying. And again, not something that you can do in a day, but something with work and introspection and openness to discovering things about yourself, you will figure this out. And I think if that's the case, like in a relationship, but it could be in any other scenario before you, if that relationship ends, I would, and obviously you're the trained person, tell me if this is something right or wrong. I mean, for me, I would make a list of what, what do I want? Where do I want to be? When do I want to get there? How do I think I'm going to get there? And then also this relationship, what were the good and bad parts of the yeah. relationship? So that the next time I choose a relationship before I actually jump in with both feet, you know, look before you leap, look before you jump, look, investigate, do your research or homework, both um, introspectively and on the outside, you know, uh, like you would anything else and figure out, is this a good match for me or am I repeating a bad behavior of self-sabotage? Yep, so absolutely. One of the things I was talking to Jackie about, which is the first client that I'm talking to you about, the one that's away, 
I said to her today, I said, listen, what I want you to try and do while you're away and have some space, I want you to just write down what are some things that blah blah does that makes me feel controlled. So that was one of the things that we talked about today, because I think you have to be able to take a step back and put some of this on paper. You don't have to write it down. You could speak it on your phone. You can type it on your computer, whatever works for you. But in order to not repeat these patterns and to unstick yourself, because she's, they're both stuck. They're both stuck. You've got to be able to see it. And you can't, you can't do this work with the person you're struggling with it with it. If that makes sense, you have to be able to do this work individually and separately from the relationship. Cause that person's just going to say, why the therapist tell you that? Why are you, you know, like right. they're going to dismiss- Well, and I, I think from that list, from that discussion, you can then set goals and an action plan. And if you can't develop it yourself, again, take that list to your therapist and work on a plan step-by-step. Mm-hmm. Step. It doesn't have to be a huge leap. It can be baby steps, right? can be baby steps. And I think it's important to be able to, again, ask yourself questions as you go through your day, as you go through your life. If you notice that you're not feeling the way you want to feel in a relationship, if you notice that you're putting things off that are important to you, it is really important to ask yourself questions like, is there a part of me that feels unworthy? Is there a part of me that is sabotaging because I don't think it's okay to have what I want in my life, to be able to ask yourself those questions is so helpful. So in a day where we're talking about (laughs) self-sabotage, the computer has failed us and sabotaged us. So we have been reconnected. We don't even remember where we were, uh, where we left off. We've been laughing about it because we're perfectly imperfect and it's okay to be sabotaged. See what happened there? At first, Sherry and I said, oh, what did we do? And then we realized we did nothing, right, Sherry? We were just sitting here having a lovely conversation, but exactly is what just happened. We both just figured, what did we do? And then we realized it has nothing to do with us. It's the stupid internet making a hassle for us. And you know, for all of you, could we fix this? Yes. But the point is don't self-sabotage. Look for the good, look for the glass half full, not empty and make sure that, you know, you change. So Sherry and I immediately, we did this because of who we are, I guess, but we immediately said, what happened? What did we do? And then we, we both shifted in the same instant and said, we didn't do anything. It was the internet. So that's what you need to do is you need to make those small changes and look externally and say, did I have control over that? And if I did have control over that, what changes can I make? It doesn't even have to be a big change. It can be a small change and go forward. And if it wasn't your fault, don't take the blame. Don't self-sabotage taking on somebody else's fault. And if somebody says it was your fault, don't immediately say, oh yeah, it was my fault because other people want to bring you down. And that's also a way to self-sabotage is taking on what somebody else blames you for when it's in fact, not your fault. As soon as somebody tries to place blame, instead of taking it on, you need to look at that and think if, even if I, even if I am the cause of what happened, that's not how I want people to address me and and talk with me when there's something that's wrong. So that in and of itself is like a red flag. You don't want to put up with that. You, if somebody's upset with something that you've done or, or you've messed up, there's other ways that they can bring that to your attention besides saying, look what you did now. 
we're doing that with the internet because the internet is not our best friend and we are, we are not going to dinner with the internet. But when it comes to people and feelings and relationships, nobody should have to be made to feel bad for making a mistake. Right. And that's part of what we have said many, many times is being your own best friend. You have to be a friend to yourself before you can be a friend to someone else. And you should be able to learn to, I think it's a learned behavior, uplift yourself and be that friend and not self-sabotage your friend. You are your friend. Remember that. And when I say don't self-sabotage your friend, I'm talking about yourself. You have to be a friend to yourself. Be kind to yourself. Uplift yourself. Raise yourself up. Because only then can you truly be a friend to someone else. And maybe when people are hanging out with us, listening to these podcasts, this is like an example of how you're doing something for yourself that's about kindness and compassion and giving yourself a chance to focus on your own stuff so you can be better for yourself and then be better friends, partners, parents. It's like happy ever after. And know and embrace your strengths. So part of being that friend is to know these are my strengths and I'm going to use them. And these are strengths I want to have and I'm going to work on. And you can make your list. And I know we talk a lot about lists, but you know, I don't always make the list in a book or on a sheet of paper, I use the post-it notes. I, I, I talk about that all the time because it's just something I see every day and it helps me reinforce me and try to embrace not just change, but my strengths. What a, what a uh, great conversation this has been and what fun to have real life happening in the way <laughs> that it's supposed to, because we could have easily said, now we have to do the whole thing again. We can't do this like this, but you know what? we can do whatever we want and we can be happy with the outcome because at the end of the day, what's important is that you show up and that you be present and that you understand that not all of life is in our control and you work with what you have and you just go with it. And take your time and remember to practice mindfulness. And if you really get stuck, there is no shame in getting stuck. That is why people like Sherry go to school <laughs> they get trained. They get a lot of hours of training and retraining and they're there. They're a phone call away. If you can't afford a face to face therapist, there's one, uh, there's ones online, there's self-help help books, there's articles, there's groups you can join. There's church groups you can join. There's lots of people who will help you in regard to being the best person uh, you can be for yourself for your progress, for your life, for your growth, rather than sitting around feeling sorry for yourself and sabotaging yourself. Oh, woe is me. Look at what I can't do. Let's look at what we can do, what we will do and what we want to be and who we can be. You know, look at yourself. Who do you want to be five years from now mm -hmm. and step forward into the five years. And before you know it, you will have not only owned where you want to be in five years and gotten there sooner, you will get even farther ahead than the five years. And you say, watch out world. Here I come, Here I baby. Come. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> so until next time, we love having these conversations with you. And don't forget to give us the thumbs up on the Apple podcast reviews or anywhere else you can review us. We love to hear from you and keep sending us those story ideas and conversation ideas because we talk about them and we bring them to you like today's topic. We will definitely listen to you and we love your feedback. Thanks again. Until next time. See you, Sherry. See you, everyone. Bye. Bye. 
Thanks so much for joining us today on Warrior Women Speak. It truly is an honor to be able to sit down with Judge Aquilina and have such meaningful conversations. Stay tuned. Each Monday, we will be releasing new episodes in the hopes that we will inspire, uplift, and instill hope. Be sure to subscribe now to at Warrior Women Speak. Until next time.